Good morning. Good morning. Pull up your pull up a seat. Take out a Bible. Okay. Turn to Romans chapter eight. I'm going to bounce you around the scriptures today. We're in a series called Everybody Hurts, Exploring the Purpose of Pain. We've done five weeks of study uh, from God's word concerning understanding the roots and the remedies for pain. And most importantly, why does God even let it exist? Uh, we started in Romans chapter 8. I want to take you back there now because what we're going to do today is something very, very different. Maybe some of you have never been in a church that would do this. I'm going to give you about a 10-minute summary of what we've been learning. And here's why. I don't get it the first time. Now, you're probably smarter than me. You hear it one time, you get it, right? You live it, you apply it, it transforms your life. Does that happen to you most Monday mornings? Yeah, now most Monday mornings you wake up and you think, now wait a minute, what did they talk about yesterday? So I'm going to give you a five-week review in about ten minutes. And then we're going to spend the rest of our sermon time today and you get to write the sermon. You know, and that's just not because I was lazy this week and didn't want to write one. It's because I think that your questions matter. And I'm going to have Ryan join me so if it's a really hard one, he can answer it. Okay, open to Romans chapter 8. Here we go. Father God, teach us from your word. Thank you for its relevance to our life. Every single day. Thank you for its truth and what it teaches us about you and about the world we live in. Uh, And it's a painful place. So help us understand uh, why everyone hurts. Help us understand where you are in the midst of that hurt and how you uh, can use it uh, for even our good in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, take out your outline today. This is a little different kind of a tool that I've given you, and I want to make sure every one of you pull it out because you're going to want to take this home with you. You're going to notice first it's different. It's not on lightweight paper. It's on cardstock, and here's why, okay? You're going to figure it out in just a few minutes. What I've done is I've given you a very different creative way. My staff came up with this to uh, outline the series of what you may have missed over the last five weeks. There's a box on the front for each of the five weeks. On the flip side is the key verse from that sermon that I want to challenge you later on to cut these dotted lines. And you will have six memory verses to carry with you and learn throughout the rest of the summer. And it will summarize a theology of pain. Because I believe that unless you internalize these truths, unless you go from just hearing me talk about them, Uh, And actually meditating, memorizing, getting them into your mind and into your heart, they will not change the way you respond to your pain. And I'm not doing these sermons just to have something to do. I'm doing these sermons to help you learn God's perspective on your pain. And part of that is the importance of memorizing these key verses. So we're going to give you today's outline, not in the form of of a note sheet to file away, but actually a sermon that you can cut up. And use in weeks to come. All right. Here's where we've been. We started in Romans eight because I think it's the greatest passage in the Bible that summarizes all about pain, especially where it comes from. Pick it up with me in chapter eight, verse 16, just to set the context of the morning. Interesting promise. Here's what he begins with. And the spirit of God, he talks about the fact that we're in a new relationship. Once you place your faith in Christ, you have a new relationship with God. You're actually a child of God's. And he says this, says, uh, and the spirit of God himself, verse 16, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs. Wow, you're going to inherit riches of the kingdom of God through Christ. And you're not only a child of God and an heir with God. You're a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. 
And then he adds this, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. So he goes from great news. You're a child of God. Children of God are heirs with God. You're going to inherit riches forever and ever. Eternal wealth, eternal riches through Christ. And then he says, but guess guess what? For this phase of life, while on planet Earth, you're going to also suffer as Christ suffered. Suffering is part of life on planet Earth right now. But then in the future, and he jumps forward and he says, but you're going to be glorified with Christ also. And now look at the next verse, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this current time, which is what we're studying, are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be ours, that will be revealed to us, that is in Christ Jesus. And then he begins to process why it is that the planet is in pain because of sin. We're surrounded by people who cause pain because of sin. We live in bodies that are affected by sin and pain and death. So this is a painful period of life on planet Earth. But then he gives this promise about the pain we experience right now. And it's in verse 28. And let me give you the summary this way. Let's just get into it. Week one was Romans 8, 16 to 32. The big idea was pain is inevitable, misery is optional, but joy is still available if we learn how to engage with God through our pain. That's the big summary of the sermon. What was the key verse? It's verse 28. Here it is. And we know that God causes all things. That's an all-encompassing term in terms of various types of pain is in the context. All Sorts of suffering is really what it could be translated. All things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So now we begin to unpack. So how does God cause things that are not good to be for good? How does he bring good from things that he does not like? In fact, the tagline and here's how this is formatted. Every box gives you the big idea of the sermon You flip it over after you cut it up and you'll see the key verse of the week and you flip it back and you get the key thought of the week. Week one was this. God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God does not love pain. God does not love sin. God does not love death. He's promised to, in the future, create an eternal world in which he eliminates all of that. But for right now... We're not there. So how do we process it? It begins by understanding that God wants to take what he hates, which is pain, suffering, sin, death, etc. And he wants to redeem it for good. Now, how does he do that? Week two. Week two introduced this idea that in 2 Corinthians 12, remember the thorn in the flesh passage, that he says, pain humbles me and draws me closer to God. When I have no pain in my life at all, my tendency and your tendency, if you're honest, is to drift away from God. Because why do we need God if everything's working out just perfect? Okay, so pain humbles me, draws me closer to God, and that improves life. Key verse. Key verse was this. Therefore, I am well content in my and he has a long list of different types of suffering for when I am weak, then I am strong because in my weakness. As I deal with something and I pray, God, please take it away. Remember, Paul said, take this thorn in my flesh away. But when it doesn't go away and God says, you know, I'm not going to take that away, but I want to use it to humble you, draw you closer to God. 
and I will display my strength. So I experience and I exhibit the strength of God whenever I acknowledge my own weakness, that I can't do it. And next thing you know, God strengthens me and I'm able to, uh, to walk with him. And then what else happens? Let's go to the next week. The next week, week three, James chapter one. Ryan, remember the barbells? This was barbell week. This was uh, P90X3290 insanity, all of that stuff, right? I'm glad Ryan did that one. Okay. James chapter 1. Pain grows me toward maturity. It's one of the reasons God allows it. It grows me toward maturity. Key verse. What was the key verse? Flip your card over or look up here. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. See, it doesn't seem reasonable. Why should I... Find joy in the fact that I've got difficulties or trials. It's because the testing of my faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in what? Nothing. Nothing. See, in other words, he grows me toward maturity through pain. Pain helps me mature. So what was my tagline? Here's the tagline for the week. Look at your card. Big idea. Testing plus faith plus endurance equals growth. It's like growing a muscle in your body. Okay? If that muscle is going to expand and grow and become stronger, it's got to be pushed out of its comfort zone. It's got to burn a little bit, right? It's got it's got to get in that pain painful zone to some degree. It's got to get beyond, you know, it's got to get to that point. Some uh, workout people say you've got to hit the point of muscle fatigue before that muscle can really grow and improve. So, that's how God grows us in life. So, where have we been? Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Pain humbles me, draws me closer to God. It grows me toward maturity. I become a stronger person through it. Next week, we introduce this idea. 2 Corinthians 1. Pain expands my capacity for ministry to others. Sometimes the good that God brings from pain is not my good only. It's not my good at all as much as it's the good of others. And that's good for the kingdom of God. That's good for you. When my suffering helps me be able to help you in your suffering, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. What was the key verse? Here it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Great verse. See, these verses are rich. These are the verses that get me through pain. These are the verses that need to be in your mind and in your heart so that whenever pain happens, you don't have to run for your Bible. You don't have to run for uh, the sermon notes from Sunday, you know, because you've memorized these verses. These are verses worthy of being memorized. That's why I'm giving them to you today on cards. What was the big concept? What was the big takeaway? Uh, Look at the front of the card again. In this one, week four, big takeaway was that suffering increases my abilities, opportunities, and empathy. We saw in that passage that God uses times of suffering to equip me to be able to comfort, encourage others around me that are going through tough times. Next reason. Here we go. So next, Philippians chapter four. This was just last week's sermon. Ryan unpacked that. Pain also enhances not only my ministry to others in the body of Christ, but my mission and message outside of the faith to the hurting world. 
Why? Key verse. Here we go. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. That is, when you encounter pain, trust God in the midst of it. Because as you trust God and choose, you choose to rejoice. You choose joy, even in the midst of your pain. Um, as you choose not to grumble, um, you prove yourself blameless and innocent. You show up as a child of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now, the last line is important. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. So if you want to brighten your message and your mission to the world, one of the ways you do it is by learning to approach and manage pain with God's truth uh, as your starting point. When it changes the way you react to the pain, it changes the way the world perceives your faith. I think it's the main reason God does not put bubbles around Christians to protect us from pain. Because of really all these reasons and more that we haven't even taught on yet. We're not done with this series. But I wanted to pause today because of the need to reflect on these concepts. You know, we are at Seacoast, we do not, our goal is not to feed you information. Our goal is for the Spirit of God to take the Word of God and to transform us. And I know that I don't get it the first time I hear it. I need to, I need to come back to it. I need to relive it, think on it, right? At least that's, I'm just, maybe I'm teaching you what I need. But I need to hear it more than once if it's going to change me. And that's because God's Word does that. And that's the lesson today. I'm going to add a sixth Lesson because I had six cards. Here we go. Psalm 119, 50 and 71 are my verses. The concept is that pain is good when it drives me to God's word. Because the word of God is one of the key instruments that God uses to actually deliver the goods or deliver the comfort and bring good into our life. Here's my favorite verse. Let's read this one together. Can you engage with me here? Okay, ready? One, two, three. Let's read. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. So he says one of the goods, one of the reasons it's good for me to go through affliction is when it drives me to the word and I learn the word, then it blesses, it blesses my life. So the big takeaway of this morning is that pain drives us to God's word for comfort. And the takeaway is when it's believed and applied, uh, it delivers. Now, we wanted to take the rest of the morning, though, and to give a more extended time for you to outline the second half of the sermon. So you've been texting in questions, hopefully already. If not, you can do it right now on your smartphone or whatever. Text in the question. If you want to write it on a card and walk it back to the sound booth, that's another option. I want to ask Ryan to join me because he's my uh, sidekick here at teaching the word. And if a really hard question comes up, I need him. So there you go. So Ryan gets the hard questions. I get the easy ones. That's the way we do it, right? Sounds good. That's right. Someday you can reverse roles. But here we go. Just kidding. Let's bring up the first question. If you have questions, text them in while we're talking. No questions. Oh, there we go. Okay. What does it look like to be in pain but still have joy? Is it okay to be sad about the pain? That's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, what comes to your mind when you hear that? Well, I think 
You know, they're different emotions entirely. Uh, yeah, I think it's, of course, it's okay to be sad um, when you go through pain. I mean, painful things. We can't just erase what our emotions are, what our feelings are. Um, what does it look like to have joy? I think the idea of joy, it's one of these things in Scripture that it's considered a choice. And one of the ways I look at it is uh, often we te- tend to turn to kind of self-medication when we need to escape from pain. For some of us, it might be, that's our last week we talk about grumbling, complaining. Perhaps for you, it is some sort of substance or, or anger or lash, you know, all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. But so scripture constantly talks about this balance between, like David would say, um, God, can you please take this away from me? And, and, but then he wrestles and says, why so downcast? Right, he talks about his pain. Yeah, and yeah. then he says, talks but put God your hope it. to God, in yeah. God. So, I think what this is for me is instead of going to all the other things to make us feel better in pain, it's that learning to choose joy, learning to go to God, learning to develop a new habit, a new way of instead of self-medicating to say, God, why don't you fill me? So, But does that erase feeling sad? No, I think it's human to feel sad about right. pain and to ask for God, hey, you know, if you want to take this away, that'd be fine with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus, uh, it makes me think of John 15, right? Yeah. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and and Jesus says, I'm teaching you how to trust in me, abide in me, um, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. Now, Jesus, just moments later, is in the Garden of Gethsemane, in pain, uh, crying out to his heavenly Father. Okay? But Jesus knew that was coming. So Jesus was able to experience the joy. In fact, it's Hebrew says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So when you're enduring pain, if your focus is on God's purpose in it, if your focus is on by faith, trusting that God can bring good from it, can grow you. You can rejoice when you encounter various trials. Uh, But it's a it's 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 a faith based joy as opposed to. A circumstance-based happiness. Yeah. Let me throw that out. Next question. That's great. Can you explain how God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves? Wow. That's well, you. that's my yeah. tagline. Okay. Yeah. And actually, that comes to give credit. That's from a book called When God Weeps by Johnny Erickson Tata, who is a quadriplegic who's living her life as a quadriplegic, trusting Jesus with her pain. So to give her credit. Um, and here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think we almost as Christians get real sloppy in how we talk about pain to it. We, we act as if, well, this is God's will for you. And we imply in that that God likes it. And my conviction is that God hates it. God weeps through it is the way Johnny Erickson would describe it. He is weeping with us through our pain. But we're living in this season in history where God is, is, is saying, how can I take what I hate, that is pain, suffering, death, disease, natural disasters, whatever, how can I take this and use it for good? So he takes what he hates and he wants to redeem it for good by growing us stronger, by enhancing our ministry to other people, by, um, by strengthening our message of the gospel to the world, uh, by getting the attention of the world with pain so that they come to him, draw close to him. All these things are reasons why I think he, uh, those are ways that he flips it for good. Good question. Give me another one. 
This one's Ryan. I don't even know what it is. This is yours. <laughs> Give me a softball. Come on. Hey, come on. No, there we go. How does Christian counseling help someone in pain who finds that prayer and study of God's word on their own is not enough? That was a good gamble you went on that one. Did not yeah. want to I didn't that. know what was coming, but I'm glad it's yours. Take it. <laughs> well, I, I think I understand the question here in, in saying it, it sounds like there's a little bit of how what is the role of using modern psycho, you know, psychology to help if. Just turning to the word. So many of you, you're going through some maybe some severe depression or hurt and and scars. And you say, "Okay, I've been praying. I've been turning to the word and I still have this something I'm going through. Um, So how does Christian counseling play into that? I I think that we can certainly learn and use things that work in the world Um, just because. It might be a modern psychology. It doesn't mean that God's not saying, no, that's that's horrible. Don't ever do that. So if there's sometimes there's counselors that are really helpful in helping you process through deep pain. And, you know, I think it's okay um, to say, hey, I need some extra professional help to get through this particular situation. Because there's some real deep hurts that that we can't. Sometimes you just can't get through on your own. You need help. Right. I I just want to reinforce what Ryan just said, you know, because the reality is once you live with pain, let's take depression as a source of pain. Uh, Depression is um, uh, when you live in a state of depression for an extended period of time, it it will it will upset the the chemistry of your brain as well. So it, it can begin as a faith based emotional issue, but it can become a physical issue, too, that affects the, the physical aspect of your systems and and uh, as well as a, an emotional issue. So sometimes you need help uh, and sometimes medication. There's nothing unspiritual about taking medication or getting professional help for for additional counseling. So and the neat thing is the, the Bible doesn't say only read God's word and only pray and you'll be healthy. The scripture also says that we are to encourage one another. We are to help one another. All those one another words in the Bible say that sometimes you need help from real people who understand the problem, who can help you process it. So uh, there's a real value in counseling, especially if it's from a Christian counselor that understands how to integrate the spiritual with the physical, with the emotional. It's all of of real value. So all the Christian counselors in the room, um, you can... Send me a gift. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. A free session. Go. That was a joke. You. Well, maybe a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe a free session. You think I need it? Right. Okay. A free session for Pastor Dale. Next question. You'll get this one, too. Okay. How do I help someone who is bitter and mad at God? Is it even okay to be mad at God? Hmm. You know, I, I mentioned this after a, a similar question in the first service, but I, I think, you know, my grandmother's a good example of, um, you know, she lost two of her sons, both of my uncles, um, to separate freak accidents. They died. I mentioned it before, but she spent the last 15 years of her life angry at God and um, to much as saying, like, God, you know what, if this is who you are, I don't want anything to do with you and would say, oh, I'm an atheist. And. And, you know, it's one of those things that it, when a week before she died, I had that conversation with her and to say, you know what, for these last 15 years, just say, like, you think God can't take all that? He can take all your anger. He's bigger than that. 
And he understands you went through some really intense hurt. And, and to speak into her life and say, God understands that. But you know what? You've been throwing stuff at him and yelling at him for all this time. And he still wants to love you and forgive you. It was so great when she said, I've made my peace with God. And then a week later, uh, passed away. And I believe yeah. is right. with him. And right. I don't think he's going to say, okay, explain the last 15 years. I don't think he's doing that. I think he says, hey, welcome. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think God is big enough to handle the times that we're frustrated with him. Yeah. And you see in the Psalms at times, you yeah. can sense David's frustration <laughs> with God, if not anger. Uh, God, why don't you show up? God, why are you letting the unjust rule? God, why are you letting bad things happen to good people? God, God, God. You know, it's not so much is it okay to be mad at God. Sometimes you will feel anger toward God. It's not healthy to stay there. Right. I mean, your grandmother spent 15 years mad at God, and God, God can forgive us if we have come to place our faith in Christ. Um, but yet, like any other sin, I mean, being mad at God ultimately becomes a sinful issue for us to deal right. with. Uh, because, uh, you know, we, we do need to, um, I think this is one reason we're doing this series. I think pain is one of the main things that Satan uses to get believers to turn away from God. Um, and I think one thing is, I think a lot of times I would say if a person is bitter and mad at God, I would ask them, I would say, tell me about what you've been through. And I would try to love on them and empathize with them. But then I would say, do you think God really finds joy in what you're going through? Did God cause it? I think, there, I think we get real flippant about saying this, this kind of flippant Christian teaching that, that you know, we, we misunderstand that, okay, God causes all things. I say, well, no, wait a minute. God is never the author of sin. Okay, so if what you're going through is someone hurts you, or life hurts you, God did not cause that. He may have allowed it. He allows everything that happens as a sovereign God. But yet we attribute and blame God for a lot of things that I think someday we'll say, wow, God, I realize, if anything, I should have been ticked off at this person or that person or life or even myself. For, you know, I think we need to be very careful. God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And someday he'll do away with it. Uh, so I would uh, encourage a person like that to talk through their their frustration with God. I'd also encourage them to read. Best One of the best books I ever read was a book called Disappointment with God. When I meet a person who's bitter at God, angry with God, I give them that book. It's by Philip Yancey. It's very well written. Next question. Is sin the root of all pain? Um, ever experienced in the universe, or is it there, or is there any other cause of pain outside of sin? Well, Jesus tackled this one. Um, put it this way: If man had never sinned, I, what my understanding of the Garden of Eden and of the life God created, uh, and of the life God will recreate someday in the new heaven and the new earth, is that it, it, it is a it is free of pain. Says there'll no longer be Revelation 21 says there'll no longer be any sin, any any suffering, any disease, any death. Um, so the very fact that God will someday eliminate it when sin is eliminated tells me that in one sense, all pain is rooted back to uh, the fall of man and sin. Now, is all experiences of pain now the direct result of 
someone sinning? I'd say the answer is no. There's a lot of natural disasters. There's a lot of various things that happen that you didn't sin. Someone else didn't sin. But pain happens in this world. So in that sense, Jesus, for example, when the, the tower fell on the people and it's OK. So who sinned him or his or his parents? And Jesus said, you know, that's not the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, if you think in the original creation of man is we enjoyed intimacy with God and a face to face intimacy. And could you imagine how our problems and issues and pain would be very different if we had God face to face and walked closely with him? So essentially, even that separation from God changes our perspective on pain and, and therefore creates a sense of pain because we don't have that assurance that we once had. So OK, we have one question. We have left. the booth says one more, one more text question. And, and before, before we answer this, um, well, I'll let you read it and then I'll let you think about it because I'm not going to answer is this your question? Okay. How do I get past my own hurt working for Pastor Dale and, uh, and minister to other pastors who had I, t- I texted this one this, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw right you here. texting yeah. earlier. How do I get past my own hurt yeah. to minister to someone else in mm. theirs? Should I even try to do this if I'm still really hurting? Let me say that the healing process of of uh, pain, take grief, for example, is a process. It takes time. Um, and uh, I think some, sometimes the most effective people at helping others are still in the process because they can say, you know something, I really understand your pain because I'm there. I mean, I'm still feeling it, too. But then when any time you can share with someone uh, God's word, God's truth and what Christ is doing in your life, what he's teaching you, what he's what he's doing to help you with your pain. I think you can be in it and also minister to others who are going through it, Um, whether you're still in it or whether you've kind of now, quote, moved somewhat beyond it, whatever that means. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, just naturally, I think there's probably a period of time, too, where you don't try to be a hero right away if it's a fresh wound. You know, there's the old Jewish tradition of the, it's the first seven days you just sit there and people will come and just be there for you. So if it's super fresh, you don't need to start saying, okay, God, use this if you're going, like, I don't even know which way is up. Because there's a stages yeah. of grief, too, and I think, you know, if you're in that denial stage, probably not the time to help people. But um, you don't have to be fully healed because I don't think any of us will be fully healed. And I think, you know, uh, use that process. But, you know, get past that initial shock, denial, all of that, I think, and just rest. And that's actually very mm-hmm. biblical to come and just take, you know, a period of time to be ministered to. And that's okay, too. Yeah. But there is a time to then use that. So if you've been ministered to for 14 years on the same issue, you know, Start using it. Start looking outward, too, I think, is, it, yeah. is something. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest things we do to help one another live in a world full of pain is to remember that Romans 8 that I started with today, Romans 8 gives the rationale behind why we can trust God, that he will bring good from what he hates, that he will redeem our pain for good. And, it, and the rationale in Romans 8 goes like this. He says, for how will he who did not even spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How will he not with 
Christ, freely give us all things. For nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, not this or this or this or this. And he lists all kinds of sorts of suffering. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. How do you know that? It's by reflecting on the cross. So today we're going to move back into worship and let the band come and lead us in a time of communion. We're going to have communion shared. I know I pointed over here because usually communion is over there. So ignore that. Okay. But they're going to serve you communion. Sit, reflect, pray, uh, process what you've been learning and recommit yourself to the fact that Jesus and what he did on the cross is indeed the only hope that we have. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, serve the bread now and begin to reflect on who you are and what you've done for us. Father, help us to apply this to our own lives. Help it, help it be the, the, the foundation stone of our trust in you. That we trust you because you've proved your love. Even if we look at life and life doesn't, we don't feel the love of God every day. We pray that as we focus on the cross, that we be reminded that you are the source of our strength and our hope and our forgiveness. Thank you for life in Christ. We share the body of Christ now in Christ's name. Amen.